Hey there, spider people. Before we get into today's episode of the Tarantula Way podcast, I'd like to talk to you about something that I really believe in. And this is not a paid announcement. I am doing it because I really believe in it. And that would be the incredible world of keeper cards. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, then you obviously like tarantulas or have a thing for tarantulas or keep tarantulas or do whatever with tarantulas, scorpions, or any kind of arachnid, creepy crawly type thing. So I'm sure you would be interested in this product. Keeper cards are trading cards lovingly created for arachnothusiasts and self-proclaimed mothers of eight-legged fuzzy creatures. They give a new approach to accessing information for a particular species. So let me explain. The keeper card is like a trading card. It's like the it's like uh, if you're into Star Wars, you can get Star Wars trading cards. If you're into Harry Potter, I'm sure there's Harry Potter. Yeah, I used to have Ren and Stimpy trading cards and and Simpsons trading cards and that kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, everybody knows what a trading card is. Well, these are tarantula trading cards, and soon they will probably be uh, more arachnids and other creepy crawly bugs, including as well, you know, as insects and. Well, not, but for right now, they're tarantulas, and uh, you get a deck. There's 36 cards. Uh, is it 36? Yeah, I think it's 30, uh, 30 species cards, so 30 different species of tarantulas, and then six uh, information cards, which are very helpful. And then they have booster packs, which would include um, YouTube people, uh, your favorite YouTube channels. Um, they probably have a card by now. There's eight different ones. Uh, some examples are the Tarantula Collective. Uh, what? Who else? Tom's Big Spiders, uh, Tarantula Cat, The Dark Den, all those popular YouTubers that deal with tarantulas. And so they have their own card and their own species cards and information cards and whatnot. Um, so it's a really great product and, and then the card itself is amazing it's a nice looking card it's got a great picture of the animal in question on it you'll also find the scientific name the common name who discovered it there's a description the world location habitat type the maximum age the animal will get what level of keeper you should be in to to use to uh, keep this animal comfortably uh, what defense mechanisms they have, their moisture requirements, uh, what type of spider it is, i.e. arboreal, um, terrestrial, or fossorial, uh, who contributed the photo, and there's a little map with where your spider comes from, a with a location pointed to where your spider comes from, uh, and the world type, whether it's new world or old world, and uh, the maximum size the, card, the spider will get, and of course a card number. So there are two decks. Uh, I believe one deck is out of print, but the new deck, the big, the bad, and the bold, is available. And you should go definitely go to KeeperCards.info and find out more about these wonderful additions, new additions to uh, our hobby. So now let's get into the Tarantula Way podcast. And records. Oh wait, pause it. Welcome, spider people. I'm Brian. And I'm John. And this, and this is, is the Tarantula, tarantula way. way. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing tonight, John? Uh pretty good. Yourself? I am doing very well. Oh. Having a good time. Having a little bit of wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. <laughs> no, no, I just started drinking the wine. It's not, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been drinking all day. It's kind of early. Yeah. 
It's before five. <laughs> it's after five somewhere. So I was uh, going through Google uh, while, while doing some uh, spider research for the podcast, and I came across a few different stories uh, of like spider news. So I thought that would be kind of something cool we could add to the podcast. Just some like uh, uh, little stories from around the world that I that I see uh, pop up on like Google and and uh, Yahoo and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So I found this one interesting. It it, it, uh, it is back in uh, November, um, but uh, uh, scorpions swept into Egyptian homes by flood, sting more than five hundred people. Is the headline. Wow. So I, I thought this was pretty interesting. So it says uh, sudden floods from a rare storm in Egypt have flushed swarms of scorpions from their underground burrows into people's homes. In addition to forcing the arachnids into close contact with people, the heavy rainfall and hail damaged buildings, toppled trees, destroyed roads, and cut off electricity all in a single night. <laughs> The venomous four-inch-long scorpion stung more than 500 locals. Hundreds of residents in Egypt's, uh, in the Egyptian city of Ashwan, yeah, hope I'm saying that right, were uh, transferred to hospitals to receive anti-venom anti injections. Uh, the Ministry of Health says they have large reserves of anti-venom, noting that more than 3,000 doses were available in that city, according to Al Jazeera. Uh, so, and then originally they said like three to five people died from stings, uh, but they amended that to say that nobody died. So I don't know if that's real or if that's <laughs> or they were brought back. They're zombies now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they may, maybe they didn't have as much anti-venom as they're saying, you know, it's hard to say in a country like that because, you know, they don't like to tell you the truth, but that is kind of wild. Like, uh, I found online, where did I find that at? Uh, that, oh, here, it's on the last page here. Yeah. The New York Times reported that they get one millimeter of rainfall per year in the place where this happened, in that city, Aswan. So uh, they had, like, a major storm with a lot of rain and a lot of hail and a lot of wind, which is something they don't ever get there. So that one millimeter of rain is all they ever get. So it's the scorpions and the One people, millimeter of rain. One millimeter a year. <laughs> I don't, it sounds like so basically somebody with a with a upper floor apartment spit out of their window. <laughs> That's their rainfall. Right, right. And then all these scorpions are like, what the hell? And they're flooding the place. And then I looked up uh uh where wait, wait, hold on, Brian. It's breaking news. No, I just, I just wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the species that they have there are Androctonus bicolor, Australis, Amorexi, and uh, Crassacuda. Uh, also, the uh, the Death Stalker, the, the Lurius. Uh, I can never say this one. Easy for I mean, you to They're say. all just fat tail scorpions. And even like the. Uh, Orthorchurus inces, those are those are only like three inches, but they're a fat armored, they're a fat-tailed armored little scorpion, and they are they are hot too. I mean, every everyone there, even Scorpio marinus platamatus, those are all hot scorpions. So <laughs> I mean they're all like 
three or four, four, three to five skulls and crossbones uh, in toxicity, according to like Scorpion books that I've read. So having those flooding your home, not a good idea. I don't know. I think I'd catch them and <laughs> it'd be great. And, and I, uh, I found this story. I found two U.S. stories. I, I found this story. Not funny, but like it, it kind of goes along with uh, last episode where we did the myths and the misconceptions with the uh, the damn brown recluse spider. Every spider is a brown recluse spider. Okay. So listen to this story. Here's the headline. Virginia woman left hospitalized and hallucinating after a venomous spider bites her. Now, here's the kicker, though. She was on a 10-hour kayaking trip. Now, brown recluses live under rocks. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, they're so, usually very recluse. They're usually, like, underground. So I don't know how this woman picked up a brown recluse that bit her on her top lip. Okay? She well, I, okay. Let me, let's, let's explore it, then. Okay. Perhaps it was in the kayak. Perhaps, but again, they're more of an underground spider. You find them, I don't know, maybe that's just me. I could be wrong. I don't know that much about them. I'm not like a true spider person. I have way more knowledge about tarantulas. But every time I've ever seen a brown recluse in the wild, it's been underneath a rock, a heavy, heavy rock that had an imprint into the ground. And I don't know. I, I, I guess it could be. Black Widow is more likely to be in your canoe or your kayak, I think, than a, uh, than a, than a recluse. Sherry Maddox was on a, Maddox was on a 10-hour kayaking trip down the Saunton River when she was bitten by a spider. She didn't initially realize how serious the bite was. When it, when it still felt painful the next day, Miss Maddox sought antibiotics. But the area around uh, the area became incredibly swollen and soon became clear that there was a serious problem. She said she's almost 50 and she's been floating down that river since she was six years old. Never had a problem. <laughs> this so, time she so, so in the story, it, it says it was a brown recluse? It does. It says doctors realized that the bite must have come from a brown recluse spider, which is also known as the violin spider because of the instrument-shaped markings on its body. Then nobody ever saw the spider, though. So mm -hmm. doctors concluded. So I don't agree with the doctor's conclusions. Because it's Virginia, there's a lot of black widows down there. I think it's more likely to be a black widow than a brown recluse. But there is a picture of this woman's lip. <laughs> it looks like a banana slug. Okay. You know what a banana slug looks like? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's what her top lip. It looks like someone sewed a banana slug to her mouth. <laughs> it's pretty bad looking. Well, I don't know. Sounds bad. And then uh, there was a small story about... I don't know what I did with that story. I can't find it now. But there was a story about... There's an Asian uh, species of spider that is uh, invading Georgia. But I thought I had that, and now I don't see it with my papers here. But were, they, were they looking for a soul to steal? <laughs> <laughs> No, it wasn't the devil that went down. Oh, that was the devil, John. Oh, I did find a kind of neat little thing, a scientific thing about uh, spiders' motion on a web studied as electrons orbiting a nucleus. Okay. So, basically, these scientists 
we're watching male spiders get onto the web of uh yeah golden orb web weavers okay, okay so they were looking at golden uh, the mating of the golden web orb weavers and uh they were watching the uh males go to the females and you get multiple males on webs sometimes going trying to get to the female and whatnot doing their little dances and whatnot and and so they were they were trying to study this and they were uh they were looking at it as after watching it for a while they said their initial concept was to explore the idea that these spiders moving on the webs behave like electrons orbiting a nucleus or planets orbiting a star so I guess they kind of thought that they were doing that because they have like no brains and they were trying to figure out. Um, Wait, the spiders or the researchers? The researchers were trying to figure out how. <laughs> Did they have no brains? depends. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but no, they were trying to, the, the spiders have such little brains, but they were able to navigate like the web and um, react to other male spiders getting closer to them and getting farther away from them. Their, their reactions were different and they were, um, it said that they were just as smaller planets have their own gravitational pull, the males also attract one another. Initially approaching the perceived rival, the males also start to repel each other as they get closer and closer. In this way, behaving much more like electrons around a nucleus. So they were looking at it, trying to figure out, you know, saying, is this is this like how it's working? Because they don't really have much of a brain. How are they knowing how to do all this stuff without having, you know, anything more than, I don't even think they have really a brain stem. I mean, they're, they're so basic. Um, so, yeah, so it was just a, a it's a pretty cool story. It, it's something people could look up and look at. I didn't want to get too deeply into it, um, but they... Uh, it's pretty it was kind of interesting but you know it's it's more turns out that they're just reacting to the different uh vibrations on the webs all right the, the motion of these males resembles interactions between particles that react or repel one another depending on the distance between them so they were using they we use models to map the effective physical forces that males experience allowing us to explain their motion on the web as well as contest dynamics of that uh, contest dynamics of males of different sizes as the males orbit one another they will eventually come too close together crashing into each other in open fighting all this is played out on the surface of the web which acts as a conduit for the vibrations males use to con communicate but which can also alert females to the presence and lead to the fatal attack so they were just trying to figure out how males can with like basically no kind of brain really can get onto a web for a female spider and try to navigate to her by her vibrations while also dealing with the vibrations and the contact of other male spiders trying to get to that per get to that female. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It is. And I hope that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say. I that. didn't want to read a big long article so i just wanted to give you the basics of it and you can go read the big long article yourself <laughs> all right so moving right along that was to, that was your that was your spider news our what main is, topic today is going to be shipping i thought this time of year being the winter coming on and the holiday season and all that that this would be a good time to talk about shipping john you don't like to do too much shipping these days do you no i i don't i uh Explain yourself. 
<laughs> it bothers it honestly it bothers my anxiety a lot um seriously i so it just just the fact that i know how i know how to ship i know how to ship you know mostly most you know as, as safe as possible but i worry about the uh the spiders in transit and it's out of my hands you know and i ran into a lot of problems as far as the couriers um shipping things the wrong places uh <laughs> damaging things uh losing things outright and you know and then i i have to it just it's it's too much for me to sometimes i'm worried about the it's not even like it's a monetary thing or anything like that i'm i'm just honestly worried about the welfare and the safety of the spiders and it and it and it just stresses me out and then on the on the receiving end a lot of people and you know i understand people are busy and all of that stuff but i always used to say if you know let me know if you get it or when you get it that it arrived okay just send me a you know shoot me an email a text or something let me know you know and, and nobody does that yeah nobody lets you, the old yeah <laughs> exactly and so i'm still worried about this you're like what happened is it there is it alive uh, Years later, no well you know you after a while you know if you haven't heard anything that everything's good because if there's anything wrong you're gonna hear right away is the fedex guy playing football with the package i mean <laughs> it's just like i don't know so you you pretty much you kind of stopped shipping before we were forced to go to fedex weren't you didn't you um were you still using USPS when you when you were still shipping or no? I've I mean I've obviously I've done both, but yeah. Mm -hmm. no. Oh, I, I didn't know I didn't know that you shipped too much after we were I mean, forced to only use FedEx. I I get stressed out when it's when it's when I ship anything when it's something that's not alive, <laughs> you know, let alone alive. You know, it's just like yeah, no, I get I get so stressed out over it, so. But yeah, and it's a it's an art to shipping, you know. Oh, to yeah. Me. yeah. Definitely an art. Yeah. It's and I'm not I actually didn't have that many problems. And then I, I ran into a couple people that I'm pretty sure were attempting to scam me. So that was there was that too. So there's always that, yeah. Yep. There's so always the few that you gotta deal with and you can't ever get away from that. So yeah, I just I worry too much about the animals. So it's like yeah, I try not to if I can help it. Oh, I was just curious. Um, I've been shipping uh, continuously since you stopped shipping, and uh, yeah, there's anxiety. I have anxiety. Yeah, I do get a little anxiety over it, but I I I, I trust in my shipping, so I'm usually pretty okay. I mean, I know they're good for. I make, in my opinion, my stuff's good for a week when I pack it the way I pack it because you never know what's gonna happen. Especially back in the days when we used USPS, <laughs> that was uh, that was a rough time. But over the years, I've been dealing with FedEx, and uh, I've had great luck with FedEx. I haven't had any problems until this year. This year has been terrible, 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 terrible. And how so? Just losing packages, things being delayed. You, you pay for overnight shipping to pay pay eighty dollars to have something shipped the next day, and it gets there three days late. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then nobody, you know, they, if you just go through FedEx, FedEx does not guarantee live animals. If you use somebody, and no, this is not a paid announcement, but if you use somebody like 
who I'm going to use as, a, as an example and for most of my um, some of my stuff today is uh, shipyourreptiles.com. They have a FedEx account, which they let everybody use via online. And as so, so they have a high volume of shipping. So the higher, higher amount, the more packages you ship, the better discount you get from FedEx. So if you're shipping thousands of packages every month, you're going to get their best um, discount. So you, they pass that discount along to you. You save, I believe it's, uh, they say it's like 16, 16 to 30% off of uh, what you would do going to FedEx yourself to ship it. Mm -hmm. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a good business thing. Uh, uh, model that they got going I, I think it's really cool i use them a lot because i have my own fedex shipping account and i don't ship thousands of packages a month uh it goes up and down you know there are months when i ship hundreds of packages and then there's months when i ship three packages mm -hmm. so um i don't get the discount that they get so i get a better discount but if i'm shipping close to me a neighboring state i can ship really cheap and save people a little bit of money that are close to me but if i got to ship to california man if i ship it on my account it's going to cost more than a hundred dollars to go next day priority where on ship your reptiles it's going to cost me like 80 mm -hmm. which is still too goddamn high but you know customers paying that shipping but i got to guarantee it right and now FedEx is, you know, they're having staffing problems and everything. So shipping has not been good. And so this time of year, shipping is horrible. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> and I went to uh, shipyourreptiles.com and they are basically saying uh, since uh, as of 11-5-2021, do not ship. If you have to ship only live animals only ship on tuesdays and wednesdays it has to be next day priority overnight and fedex is not um yeah fedex is now officially operating within holiday peak protocols we are only recommending shipping to the hub for pickup at this time you can't ship to a house you can't ship to a person you have to you have to uh during the holiday uh, protocols, if your recipient is not home or available, or if the address is incorrect, same-day reattempts will be very unlikely. If a driver cannot reattempt delivery, they may not return to the station until after close of business, meaning next-day delivery or pickup. Driver follow-ups on dispute deliveries will take a minimum of 72 hours, meaning that not know anything for at least three business days after delivery. So you may not know that your package has been delivered, not from FedEx. Even more substantial driver delays, issues, and missed deliveries than what you currently see. Even more, uh, I'm sorry, residential shipping is now more expensive. I mean, like more expensive. FedEx is charging an additional dollar to five dollars per residential shipment, but I think it's more than that because based on I think it's based on the size of the package. I think it can be more than five dollars based on what I've been looking at, or there's, you're charging some kind of other fees because man, the shipping is outrageous. You have a lot of issues with uh, residential shipping this time of year. I mean, like you know, just for anything, even if it's ground, even if it's not priority next day, um, you know. So you just basically you don't want to ship until next year <laughs> you really don't want to ship until next year for for shipping a tarantula mm -hmm. normal time okay so i have two different things that i ship in i have um these weird little uh 
they're a type of like I don't even know how to describe them. They're like a little test tube. It's a little plastic test tube that the medical field uses. It's got a snap-on lid. Uh-huh. I use those for really tiny slings with a little piece of paper towel that's moist in it for them to hang on to while they're shipping in that. Or I have a certain size clear plastic vial with a snap-on lid that I use mm-hmm. with some paper towel inside mm-hmm. to keep the sling um, cushioned and from bouncing around. And I keep that slightly moist so they don't get too dry, even though it's supposed to be overnight shipping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds good. What about an adult? Can you ship an adult, John? Ship any of them. <laughs> I could ship that too. Can you explain to us how you would ship an adult tarantula? What I would use a container that was not that much larger than the than the the uh, tarantula. I would use paper towel, uh, and I would. Uh, basically cocoon it inside give it like a a moist paper towel not damp and uh so it does so the key is that you don't you don't really want it to be able to jostle around too much in, into it so you don't want the container to be too large right um abdomens can rupture and uh yeah you give it you basically give it a a padding around it and give it a uh, area inside that it doesn't can't move too much can't jostle around too much right secure the lid onto it onto the container and as far exactly. as that's exactly how i would ship i would take a say a, a four to five inch female i would put in a regular four inch deli cup that's you know what i don't think they're four inches high mm-hmm. and i would pad that thing with four to five to six to seven pieces of paper towel and i would pour a little bit of water in there to make the bottom of that moist or like the side to the bottom of it just a little bit moist just moist enough to keep them from being really really dry and if they really get super thirsty they could get a little bit of a drink out of it and because it's supposed to be there the next day but you know you don't you know the 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 carriers don't know or care what's in the box and a lot of times and so they're not going to take caution so you want to make sure you take enough caution to make that cushioned so when they throw that box in the back of the truck that their abdomens aren't going to rupture because they're slammed so hard against it though it can happen if it's really hard you no matter how much you pad it if they really throw the box the dad the spider can get damaged but i mean you want to you know just do what you can to minimize any kind of damage from shipping and that's about it and then when you take the container and put it in the box you also want the box to be rather suspended as much as it can and shock resistant as much as it can be in the middle of the box so you pad it with shredded paper paper towel wadded up newspaper that kind of thing to keep bubble it wrap anything that can yeah. bubble wrap yeah anything anything that you can like kind of suspend it in the middle of the box so it's kind of cushioned on all, all for all the way around so it just to minimize any shock to the box being like being thrown around and hitting hitting stuff and whatnot and that's it, like the best you can do right there i mean there's not much more you can do than that i think you can always at me at instagram pod, tarantula pod tarantula way podcast tarantula <laughs> pod waycast yeah podcast tarantula way podcast at instagram and or facebook we're there you can talk to us there and then you should always 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 ship live animals priority mail uh next day priority or at least next day at least next day you want it to get there by 10 or 12 if you can uh some places don't a lot they don't have 
you're not able to get it there at that time. They, they don't have drivers that can get there because it's a rural area or whatever. So you can only get it there on regular. But, you know, you want to get it there as fast as you possibly can. And the uh, the buyer is paying. So, you know, if you're going to guarantee live arrival, you've got to have your rules for getting it. You know, they got to follow your rules for the guarantee. If they don't want to do that and they want you to send it without a guarantee, then that's on them. And, and you know, that's up to you whether you want to do that or not. Although you still run Although, into people who even after that, they... There's always going <laughs> yeah. to be douchebags. I'm sorry. There's just always going to be douchebags. And there's always going to be things that happen. Uh, I had a guy that had an order for me and some of the spiders died when I when they got there. He also claimed that some of the spiders that didn't die had DKS, which I don't believe a spider can develop in 24 hours. And I know the spider wasn't acting weird when I shipped it. And I... Uh, and just to be clear for maybe people that are unaware, that stands for dyskinetic syndrome, correct? Right, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you, John. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and so I don't think a spider can develop that in 24 hours. I think it takes a period of time of bad conditions and, or, or something else to, to have a spider contract that. And I had perfectly healthy slings that ate the day before that they were shipped. Some of them were still eating part of their cricket when I actually went to pack them. And, and they did not show any signs of that. And so I don't know what could have happened, but really FedEx packages have been arriving really rough lately so i think they're just getting thrown around a lot people don't give a damn and um i, I just i really believe it was a, a delivery delay so did the spiders turn out okay how are they F five of them were dead i got proof i got picture proof that five of them were dead and then he said the other ones were acting like they had dks and i'm like well they were healthy and eating when they left there's no way they developed dks excuse me, while they were in shipping overnight. There's just no way that can happen. So my thinking is is that the, the they were just really super rough with them because I had three other packages go out that day and many of them had those slings along with other slings in them um, and they did not have any problems. But this guy's package had a lot of problems. He said he received other packages from other dealers that did have did not have any problems and maybe they came from different drivers. I don't know. But all I know is that my package must have been handled very, very, very badly, roughly, thrown, kicked, I don't know, th for, for them to show up like that. Because so you're not into that sort of thing. Don't, don't no. handle Brian's package roughly. <laughs> you cannot handle my package. There's so many things that can happen in the living as somebody who's selling spiders or adopting spiders or whatever, you're, you're you know, it's a, there's a fine line on that on that on that guarantee that you give. You, I can't be held responsible if the if the if the delivery people are are slamming your package on the ground and stuff. I, you know, I mean, I almost want to take a video of myself packing the package so people can see what the spider looks like when I put it in the package and how I packaged it. You know, I shouldn't have to do that because you should be able to see that when you get the package. But if the if the if the carrier is not doing a proper job of of you know, most of these are going out saying that they're live animals. I know. Well, honestly, I, I know you don't want to do that. Sounds that actually sounds like a good idea. What I know, I know, but it's also a lot more work too. But I mean, yeah. I, that's what I'm starting to 
starting to think I have to do because I've never had problems with FedEx before, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having, like, a lot of problems with FedEx packages. I've had to do a lot of refunds this year because of packages that have been really messed up by FedEx, and, and it's just, just it's getting out of line where I don't even want to ship anymore. I just want to sell locally. You know? I want to be like John. <laughs> But I never had problems before, so I'm hoping that this will pass, that it's a staffing issue, you know, and I'm just hoping that this will pass and 2022 will be better because 2021 has been terrible for shipping, in my experience. Um, and that so was the, that was the out? commentary on packages. <laughs> you think of anything else you can add to that, John? Not really. I mean, I, I have lots of stories from, but, you know, they're not relevant in, <laughs> anymore. Yeah, long, there's a long time ago. And then here's a, a list of shipping tips and tricks. Um, write the tracking number on the box with like a marker or something because labels can get uh, damaged and or uh, get ripped right off of packages. Mm -hmm. Um uh, if you're shipping with somebody like ShipYourReptiles.com, um, do not call FedEx because they they have zero liability on live animal shipments. No matter what the FedEx customer uh, service might tell you, they do not refund money for live shipments. You need to go through somebody like ShipYourReptiles.com who, if you follow all of their guidelines, will give you a refund on, on a, a bad shipment. If it's due to, you know, being delayed for a long time, if something dies, doing it at. Um, do not ship live animals on Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays are FedEx's busiest day, and extended delays are likely because all, a, a whole bunch of packages got dropped off on the weekend when they're not shipping. And so they got to take all those packages and deliver them on Monday. So they're really, really busy on Mondays. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays are your best days for shipping. Uh, Thursday increases the risk of your shipment getting hung up over the weekend. Okay, it's a little bit closer. I, I usually used to ship on Thursdays, um, but with the way things are this year, I don't ship on Thursdays anymore. Um, Fridays were a bad day to ship because, you know, that could definitely get hung up on the weekend. Thursdays, I didn't usually have too many problems, but nowadays I wouldn't ship. I would really follow these guidelines. Um, avoid residential and non-hub deliveries to avoid likely driver delays and issues. You want to ship to a hub. And unfortunately, I have customers that have to drive two hours or more to a hub to get it. But if they want me to guarantee it, I don't have a choice. Because if it's going to come to their residence, it might not get there till 8 o'clock at night. And then maybe the driver don't want to go that late. And he goes home and it's going to come back the next day. And, uh, I, you know, I just can't take that that chance. So if you want your package, especially in the wintertime, you're going to have to drive that a hub to, to get it. I, You know, I, it's out of my hands. Um, package well in anticipation of delays. I always ship spiders. So they will live, so I know, so I feel in my heart and in my gut that they are good for a, at least a week, at least seven days. I think they'll live in that box at least seven days. So that means you gotta, you know, there's a fine line between damp and like wet, but you gotta find that line where, you know, your paper towel will stay moist enough to keep them. You really don't alive. want it damp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want it damp, you don't want it wet because too much time on that much of on that wet of a surface can hurt their book lungs and cause problems with them and cause death. So it's got to be enough for them to stay at least 
somewhat hydrated for a few days and spiders can go a few days without any kind of water so and and be kind of dry for a few days so you're you know you got to just find that fine line if it's too wet they're gonna die i mean they're it's 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 just gonna happen especially if there's any delays um if it's wintertime shipping, no hand warmers ever. The little hand warmers, the little eight and four hour hand warmers, um, it they get really hot. They get really hot and and they will kill. They will kill anything that's less than a forty hour heat pack. Pretty much will could kill an animal. Even the twenty four hour ones can go haywire. So, so the way the yeah the way the heat packs work is the the shorter the time is they reach a higher yeah and they reach it faster. And right. uh, and they peak at that, and then they peak at a really high temperature. So right, yeah. yeah. So that can potentially kill. I use forty-hour heat packs, and there you go. That's also anticipation too, because a forty-hour heat pack lasts a few days. So you you got a lot more time with that if if there are any delays. <clears throat> Using any heat pack in a box smaller than twelve by nine by six can easily kill an animal. Now, while I agree with this. A lot of the packages I ship are six by six by six. You can, you can, you can, it's ways around that, but I mean, I wouldn't. Right. But I'm not shipping. I'm not trial and error. I'm not shipping a six by six by six box with an adult tarantula in it. Okay. That, that is for, uh, multiple one to multiple slings. Okay. Multiple, which are one inch or under, or, or you're like two inches or under. I can ship a six by six by six box. I can fill it full of shredded paper and I can tape the heat pack to the top of the foam lid that will go on top of it and put the spiders down towards the bottom. And they are not going to get too hot with my, with my 40 hour heat pack in that small of a box. But if you are shipping larger animals, you do not, want to ship in anything less than a 12 by 9 by 6 uh, they can easily get overheated uh, using any heat pack when temps at either origin or destination are 70 degrees or above can easily kill an animal because you're going to get way above the 90s inside the box there uh, if you are dealing with a straddling with straddling temperatures or have any concerns whatsoever uh, Contact the shippers for info, for recommendations. They can help you if you're using ship my shipyourreptiles.com. They can definitely help you with that. Uh, uh, when you got to file all the guidelines on uh, different shipping services to get any kind of guarantees on your animals, and uh, yeah, so that's that. Those are the uh, about the best tips we could offer. You definitely want to give as much cushioning to your animal as possible as much hydration as you can without overdoing it and killing the animal and you know you just got to be really cautious about everything <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so, anything else to add, John? i do not i think you've covered pretty much everything i think we covered as much i wanted to be as thorough as i could i, I know it's running a little long you're probably getting bored by now but it, shipping is important it's, it's an important thing and especially this time of year it's hard this time of year or even after the holiday season is over you still have a couple months of winter left in a lot of places and it's not easy to ship you know you got to watch your temperatures you got to watch your heat packs and and all that stuff so okay so now i think we should move on to our let's uh, deep dive our, un, <laughs> our unhelpful guide and inverts or tarantulas i guess this episode to do so basically i i wanted to start off with 
what in the hobby is known as the rose hair tarantula. And yes, today's deep dive is on basically the rose hair tarantula. We're not going to give it a scientific name because there are many, and we will go oh, over no. Well, okay. So I wanted to do, I was going to do one particular species, the rose hair tarantula. And I found out that I would be remiss if I didn't do at least two species right now. And right. that that would be Grammastola porteri, Grammastola rosea. Because in the hobby, at least in the U.S., I don't know, you know, about in anywhere else. But in the U.S., there's a bunch of confusion as far as if you if you say rose hair, you may get one, you may get the other. There's even confusion as to whether, you know, they've been the same species, perhaps. Who knows? Um, maybe not as far as in science, but to the hobby, the, the names have been, the name rose hair has been used interchangeably with at least currently recognized two different species, at least in the U.S. hobby. So, and I figured we could still just cover both of them because honestly the care and everything is going to be the same so and you can't really do one without the other you if really can't taxonomy and 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 history and the hobby and all that kind of thing <laughs> and this and it's the first tarantula that i ever got and it was one of the first it was the second tarantula i ever got yeah it was my first and the most common in that day i think probably yeah. the most tarantula in that day and so both of these species are my favorite tarantula species john has had more rose hairs than any living human being should ever be alive. yeah i really did <laughs> I, I, I probably still does but over over time john has <laughs> more rose hairs than i think any single even importers i think <laughs> i have more rose hairs than chili had <laughs> About that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> they used to be the most common, and up until what? What would you say about seven, eight years ago? Really, about eight years ago, about as long as I've been with my wife, they can't they they stopped importing them. So right. yeah, it's about eight years. Yeah, yeah, they they used to be the most common tarantula, at least in the U.S. Howdy. Um, they used to import them by the. Hundreds of thousands, I would imagine. Yeah. And now they may be the the one of the hardest ones to find in the hobby. Yeah, if you find one now, it's because they stopped exportation of it from Chile. So, um, and when if, they were exporting them, they were too cheap to breed them. Well, and plus they grow painfully slow. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so yeah. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, if if you did breed them, which which I have both both species slash color forms, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it depends. But the reason why I wanted to do this species is because, like I said, it's probably my favorite. Um, and. It's the my currently the oldest tarantula I have is uh, one one of those, and I might have told part of the story in a previous uh, podcast. I don't know. Um, I think you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, I might have mentioned it, but yeah, ahead, just just this I got 
So it's that's not the first one I had. Now the first one I had I got was uh, all the way back in uh, 1992. <laughs> um, I don't have her anymore. Uh, she she died uh, several years ago. Just I guess of old age probably. She was a wild card adult and don't know how old she was. Huge, so don't know how old she was when I got her. But right. the one that I have currently, um, it actually. Just this within this past this past month, I will have had her for twenty. This is twenty twenty one, twenty one years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. And I and and I got her from drum roll, <laughs> Brian Oldridge, <laughs> as a spiderling <laughs> in a little vial. <laughs> Was that a freebie? Yep. <laughs> she was a little pink little spiderling in a vial. And I've had it for that long now. And she's, and yeah, I bred her. She had her own egg sac and own babies. And uh, yeah, still have her, have her here today. Super cool. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. She's huge. <laughs> and I it took, still had my original OBT. It took forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, as far as that's the that's that's what we're gonna say for the introduction of this species. Um, want to handle first? We're gonna handle what the name. You want to get into taxonomy? Well, we're gonna try some. We'll, 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 okay, so this is gonna be unscientific, but it's just as far as as you, far you handle the taxonomy of porter eye and I'll handle the <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay well as far as I can tell and as far as what's what's commonly known in the hobby and what what most most people in the hobby refer to as like I said there's two different species that can be called in the hobby rose hair there's two species right now that go by that name. And, and, and that's what's what they're currently saying. Now, if this is going to change at some point, who knows? But Graham is still a porter eye, as far as I can tell, was described in 1936. Um, yep, that's what I got. And as far as the hobby goes now, it's the browner <laughs> of the two species. Now, I have read online and in and and, uh, different reports but mostly anecdotal that there are some uh there may be i want to i'm going to put that there may be some uh other anatomical differences as far as uh stridulatory uh organs or whatever but as i couldn't find anything official saying that so right. as far as what you what i can tell what is in the hobby and known as Gramistola porteri is the is the browner of the two species. Which in back in the day of the late nineties, early two thousands, a lot of people in the hobby called the brown phase or the pink phase, um, because they have a very uh, metallic pink carapace and a lot of long pink hairs, mm -hmm. um, but they do kind of have an overall kind of brownish grayish body. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one that would also come in with those. And in the same time period of the late 90s, early to mid to late 90s uh, to early 2000s, the uh, early aughts, I always wanted to say that. And uh, 
and uh, the 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 red phase rose hair, which was had a metallic red or kind of rosy color to the top. And so, what are they calling that one now? Um, as far as I know, it's Gramostola rosea okay. right now. So okay. you got Gramostola porteri is what the basic rose hair would be. The the most common rose hair you would see had a very shiny metallic pink carapace. Mm-hmm. And it had a few, very few long pink hairs, and then shorter, kind of brownish grayish hairs. Mm-hmm. And the overall skin color was kind of brownish grayish as well. The skin. And then you would sometimes get, you know, you would go looking at all these rose hair tarantulas coming in at different places, and you'd sometimes see one that was very red colored. They had a red metallic carap- carapace instead of the pink, only it it was it wasn't as shiny as the pink one the red wasn't as shiny and bright and brilliant as the pink carapace was um but it was still cool looking and then instead of having pink hairs which were harder to see it had a lot of longer red hairs on the abdomen and the legs and everywhere and and an overall kind of brownish grayish body and also let me not to be rude but let me just let let me cut you off i think we also would be remiss without saying that we we both know that taxonomically or when you try to describe something color is probably not a good thing to go on but just for in terms of the hobby that's what's that's what is going on now right now yeah. currently yeah um, they, they look slightly different they, it, the differences are slight and i cannot tell you you know off the top of my head what they are but it's i'm sure different types of hairs in certain places and 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 different pads and 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 you know who knows maybe a larger uh uh urticating hair patch i don't know but there you can see slight differences you know but basically they look like the same spider in different colors also there have been reports or just common wisdom i guess that the two species may be hybridized. I don't know. I've seen it disputed that they could hybridize or they could not hybridize. I don't know. But just throwing that out there, that it's a possibility that there actually could be hybrids of the two in the hobby. Yes, I am. I I can almost guarantee. That, in fact, I can guarantee that they are hybrids in the hobby because i've had an egg sac that was hybridized before i knew now in the late 90s early mid mid to late 90s early aughts when i was fresh into this just starting to get into it just just trying to learn everything i can learn and i had been doing it for a few years by this by then but not too many years and there wasn't a lot of information internet was kind of newer then and and there wasn't a ton of information like there is now and there was no world spider catalog and there was no arachna boards was just being born and um out of out of pet bugs and uh, dot com kind of thing so um nobody knew you know uh they seemed like the same spider they did everything the same everything looked really close to the same and uh a lot of people reported that if they bred a red one with a pink one that they got half and half babies or you know some were red and some were 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 pink uh so there was a lot of confusion back in those days before anybody sat down and and tried to describe these for any people with credentials you know with the proper credentials actually sat down and tried to describe these and get the peers to their peers to vote on it and decide whether they you know they agreed or not and there's that so 
So that pretty much covers um, description as well. So the location for the species for both. Oh, we didn't we didn't go over like <laughs> we didn't go over the old descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you talking about Stola Rosia? You're talking about the the, the names. You you want to yeah. you want to read exactly. off the list of of old names? Yeah, I do. I really <laughs> I want to go through this. It's a little bit long, but I want people to understand like how messed up this has been. Now, now this is Gramostola rosia, which back and forth has gone from red to pink, or red to pink, or red to pink, or both, or being both being you know geographical color differences or something like that. So, but in nineteen, or I'm sorry, eighteen thirty-seven, the rose hair. Uh, how do you say this name? I should have done this before. Uh, Welkiner, Welkiner. Mm-hmm. Welkiner, yeah. We'll Described that. by Welkiner, it was Mygale Rosia. And then in 1849 by Nicolette, it was described as Mygale Ruben Ginoza. R-U-B-I-G-I-N-O-S-A. Say it however you want. And then in 1850, C.L. Coach, Laziadora Rosia. And Osier in 1871 said it was Uripelma rosia. And then it was Frixotrichus uh, rubiginosia Genosia again. <laughs> and if you, if you say that backwards, they go away. <laughs> and Uripelma spatulatum in 1897. I don't even want to read all these people's names because it's really hard. But And I can't even say some of these names. Like Sitho... Resalesus Kachi in uh, 1899 and Pocock 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 1899 said it was that as well and then in 1903 Simon said it was Gramostola spatula and then it was spatulus in 1903 uh, by Pocock again and then Gramostola argentinensis in 1907 <laughs> so it's gone everywhere. And then Gramostola Kala, 1917. Gramostola Spatula, 1951. And again in 1951, it was reviewed. And again in 1961, it was reviewed as that. Gramostola Kala in 1961 and back to Spatulata in 1962, all the way to 1984. And then back to Kala in 84. Kala in 86. Spatulatus in 86. <laughs> Kala in 87, Spatulata's in 87, Spatulata in 1889, all the way to 92, then back to Kala again in 93. And five golden rings. Right, and then Spatulata again in 93, and then Schmidt said, okay, Schmidt, 1993. I don't know why it says, I don't know why, okay, so it says... Grandma Stola Kala, Schmidt, 1993 D. Grandma Stola Spatulata, Schmidt, 1993 D. Grandma Stola Argentinantis, Schmidt, 1993. And then Schmidt again, Rosia in 96. And then back to Kala in 97. Then Rosia in 97. And then Rosia in 81. That's all Schmidt. And then Peter said Kala in 2000. Then Peter said Rosia in 2000, 2003. Schmidt said three uh, in 2003. Rosia. Peters in 2005 said Rosia. Gabriel in 2011 said Rosia. And a couple of Spanish guys. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. In suffice. 2016 and 2019, it's still Rosia. Okay. So, 
it's been crazy back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth all right all right so now <laughs> we will move on to where all of these spiders and their aliases are found <laughs> their location okay what is the conception <laughs> that's something different let's not add that into it that is no that is a different spider I know it's still not described though. No, I wish somebody would describe. But it. it's different. It is different. Yeah, it is different. It's clearly it kind of looks like the red, but it is way. It, it's it's yeah, it's clearly different. It's smaller, and it's clearly different. Yeah. <laughs> um. Basically, so the location is they're found in Chile, Bolivia, and Ar Argentina, in desert scrubland regions, and burrows. And I've actually seen numerous videos of Instagram Astola Argentinensis. Right. I've seen numerous videos of them being teased out of burrows with like, you know, twigs and stuff on, uh, Grass on YouTube. And shit, yeah. yeah. I've seen numerous, numerous videos in there. Uh so and with that they have it, like semi arid kind of scrublands is where yep. they come from. Yep. Yeah. But you I mean I'm assuming that I would assume that the areas are similar but you would have to consider that there would probably be a lot of variation considering it's found in you know several different countries even so i'm right, assuming right. the oh, range yeah, is sure. pretty large um sure but they but in, in captivity they do seem to like it dry so they, they, they're, they're going to be in the drier regions even if, if it's a forest or if it's a scrubland they're going to be more in the drier areas not 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 in the wetter areas. although they are very tolerant Yes, they are. <laughs> very, very tolerant. But but I do know that in captivity they do the unhappy dance if their dirt is too if their their substrate is too wet. <laughs> no, when I first got mine, um, you know, and that was my first tarantula. No, no, no. My first tarantula that I first got, I've I bought uh I was a teenager at uh, first day working at the pet store. And I along with it, I bought one of those uh tarantula books circa 1970 something oh yeah <laughs> i still have one i think it, well i have i have a lot of them actually it's actually i actually like to collect them just because yeah, I, so I, I have a nice little collection too yeah so i can see all the wrong information in there how things have changed now you know right, right. um and i and i kept i unfortunately kept her according to the book <laughs> at first before I found out better, um, and she survived. But yeah, it was. It, I won't go into the to the morbid details. <laughs> it was pretty bad, and and she still she still survived. <laughs> in, in in my early days, I, I, my first rose hair was 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 a was a sling. Actually, it was like a uh, three quarter inch um, baby. Um, but within. Within a year, or I would say within like six months of having that one, I did get uh, um, like a, a juvenile, like like a three or four inch uh, size uh, porter eye, and um, I set it up on uh, uh, vermiculite, some moist vermiculite, and, and it it just didn't look happy. It just kept lifting as many legs as it could, and then and then it would put those down and lift the other side, and it would put those down and lift the other one. It looked very unhappy. It did the unhappy dance, and then I put it on some dirt, um, some peat, and uh, and it was very dry, and it was much happier that way. 
it, like it seemed calm and would just like kind of chill in one spot and then you know it made like a little home and, and it was much happier but when it, when i had it on that moist vermiculite it just did not look comfortable well according according to the books that was the thing to do and and that was honestly a step up from the aquarium gravel and stuff that they they recommended in the right right yeah yeah that was the thing. <laughs> most most tarantulas don't like to just be on straight vermiculite <laughs> Well, no, no, but, but I had a lot back in the day when that was the thing to do that, that were, were, were cool with it. But the, the rose hair just never looked cool with it. It was just like, no, I don't like this. No, I don't like it. My feet are uncomfortable. My feet are wet. Ew. Ew. It's like, just like, ew, ew. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't stand looking at it do that. So I changed things up and it was much happier. So, yeah. And so what I currently do now is substrate. They're not that fussy with it. So. I, I usually use peat, peat or with some vermiculite, um, sometimes with some coconut. I know people don't like coconut fiber, but sometimes I use that. I use a bunch of different stuff in all mixed together. Um, currently, I'm keeping them in like five and a half gallon tank um, with a structure like to hide under, which she had the... Well, I have several, but no, the, my oldest one, let's talk about her. She has a, uh, like a, one of those, uh, fake, um, the artificial like cattle skulls. And I have like right, some, right. some wood, like supporting that with a base, like to get and I made like a structure for her in a, in a five and a half gallon. Then it has plants and stuff in there, like, you know, artificial plants. Um, right. So it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty extensive setup for you know just for a, a rose here, but instead of using that, <laughs> she's actually taken and dug her own burrow, which they say oh adults don't do that, but she has. She's dug her own burrow underneath her water dish, <laughs> and that's where she's hanging out currently, right at the front of the container, right at the front of the tank. I have found that to be completely true. If you <laughs> set up a rose hair with a nice place to hide, they will definitely hide in a different place. Yeah. Or they would just chill in the corner somewhere, or they'll make a house somewhere. They never, ever, ever, and this is like just rose hairs. I'm not saying any other trend. I'm just talking about rose hairs specifically. <laughs> they <laughs> never go where you think they're going to, where you want them to go. You set up a, a cool looking cage and they, they go sit on top of it. You give them something to hide under and they sit up on top of it all the time. Yeah. I, I, Found that to be very true with them. <laughs> yeah, so that's what she's currently doing. They got their own thing going, that's for sure. So yeah, that's care. Um, okay, do we, so you have anything else to add for care? Uh, no care. I just keep them on straight peat, and I keep them dry, and I give them a good size water dish, and I keep that full all the time. Um, and that's a which they'll it. probably in turn fill with substrate. <laughs> I don't. I don't give them a hide anymore. I give them. I, I put like a piece of wood and a, maybe a chunk of rock and uh i don't know maybe a fake plant and then let them do what they're gonna do they'll they'll rearrange things they like to move dirt around they like and to, put it in their water dish yeah yeah. <laughs> water. The water dish will always be full of dirt. so i just i just leave it full of dirt and i just add water to it so it's just always wet dirt in there um they seem to like it that way yeah so you know, i mean that's about it i don't i don't do much else with them all right well so breeding uh, do you want to start or should I start? I've... Uh, with me, breeding, I found if uh, you're ready to breed your tarantulas, uh, I haven't had too many. 
I haven't seen too many restrictions as far as what time of year to breed them. Um, as long as you kind of like flood them out, if you flood the male, he'll definitely start making sperm webs. And if you flood the female, she'll definitely be, uh, you know, flood them, let them dry, flood them, let them dry kind of thing. And, uh, and during that time, introduce the male and uh, that the, the male, the female seems to be more receptive after a couple of floodings. They, they think it's springtime. They think it's time, you know, at the wet season. So it's time to like breed. So I've bred both species. Um, I think on both, I got somewhere around three to 400 spiderlings in each egg sack. I believe so. That was many years ago. But um, yeah, the breeding is pretty straightforward. Um, honestly, it was very hit or miss because I remember having like 14 females at one time <laughs> and several males and um yeah, yeah. mr rose here over here and i got i got like one <laughs> one except all those <laughs> so um but yeah i have uh the spiderlings like i mentioned before grow painfully slow seriously <laughs> yeah i have some uh let's see i think they're about a inch and a half maybe inch and three quarter uh spiderlings and they're uh close to what are they they're like seven years old <laughs> yeah they grow really really slow like, really slow and, and i feed them i i do feed them i feed them they just don't grow yeah so yeah there's that um yeah and then i think we've went Experience over rating yeah rating uh yeah, this is definitely if if anything is a Padawan. Yeah, um, yeah, this is a, definitely a beginner. This is writer. actually this is a youngling. <laughs> if you, yeah, yeah, it's definitely youngling. If you're going yeah, Jedi, Jedi levels, it's definitely youngling. Uh, this is a super. If you kill your rose here, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Seek help. The, <laughs> Seek help. Yeah. Because uh, it is the most durable, one of the most durable spiders. They're literally bulletproof. <laughs> they'll live almost, unless you're keeping them in a swamp, they'll live in almost any kind of conditions. Uh, even if they look uncomfortable, they'll still they'll still eat. I don't know if they'll breed, but they'll still eat and they'll live and they'll, they'll try to make themselves as comfortable as they can. But uh, if you're not keeping them the way they like. But yeah, I mean... And obviously, we say this in jest. I mean, it's a living thing, so things can happen. But right, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and they they get sicknesses that we don't know about. And, All right. And, like we get sicknesses. It's just that nobody has studied their sicknesses and how to cure them. So you know, your spider can die for any kind of reason. But on the you know the majority, it's a very durable spider. It's 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 uh it, it can it's very tolerant of many different conditions. Yeah. So I was actually and availability. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. It went from. You want one of my spiderlings? It's gonna cost you more than a hundred bucks. Yeah, there's there's that. They <laughs> the Just last we have a couple, and who knows? I mean, Chile, they don't open that stuff. They've been they've been gone for a long time, and even if people do get some stuff out of Chile, it's mostly uh, centipedes and stuff. You know, they're not they're not they haven't let any rosers go for quite a few years now. The last ones, the last ones I saw were going for crazy, 
crazy prices. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I do want to mention that it's a good thing that they cut off the importation of them because back in the mid-90s when I started messing around with spiders and, and, and tracking what was out there and, and that kind of thing, they were big. They were cheap and they were big, but they were wild caught, you know, but they were big. They were huge adult females. And by, you know, by the mid-2000s, even, even in, by the 2010s, they were coming in they were three four inches you know they were they were nothing they, they were coming in really really small um and, and no adults were coming in anymore so i mean you know you know you're you're depleting the population out there these things take a long long time to grow to to uh, to a, a five six inch size for god's sake so <laughs> you know the, the, when they're coming in wild caught at three and four inches you know you're really depleting the population there so i'm, I'm glad they cut it off and i hope their population gets you know going and, and, and get those big females out there again yeah so there there you go i hope i hope that covers it for our unhelpful guys yeah the rose hair tarantulas to the rose hair you have anything else to talk about today, John? Oh, um, yeah, we should talk about shout out your sacks. Hey, give us a shout out <laughs> at uh, Michigan. Uh, I'm sorry, Michigan. Oh, my God. Uh, Tarantula Away podcast on Instagram and or um, Facebook. And let us know what you're hatching out, what kind of uh, spiders you're breeding. You got egg sack stuff. Let us know. We'll tell the people uh, where you're located and what, what you know what you're going to have available, what, what spiders you're breeding. Uh, let, let's let people know what's available here in the U.S. or or in Europe or anywhere. Let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll speed it out. Um, yeah, you, you deserve recognition for breeding. Right. Get your, your attaboys, girls. We, 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 we promote captive breeding for sure. Um, uh, that's what we're all about, captive breeding. Uh, we want to keep uh, as many species available in the hobby as possible. <laughs> so, segueing from that into my wild-caught tarantulas with egg sacs. <laughs> I have, I had a, I have a two now, Stromatopelmacalciatums with egg sacs. All right, John, um, shouting out his sacs. He's got two Stromatopelmacalciatums, <laughs> feather leg baboons, yeah. which next week. Hopefully next week. Uh, next week will be our spider of the week, our uh, unhelpful guy. We will be going into. Oh, wow. It's not a surprise. We already know. <laughs> no, we're not going to surprise. I'm going to let you know. That's what we're going to be talking about because people are afraid of that tarantula. Like, seriously scared of that tarantula. I'm afraid of it. I'm not scared. <laughs> I'm not. I, ain't, I ain't smart, but I ain't scared. <laughs> you could say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so I would just like uh, at the end here, I would like to do a shout out. Uh, Andrew Smith, I did a, a Kickstarter with Andrew Smith. He is a YouTuber and um, I, I don't know what you call him. Uh, uh, document uh, documentarist is that how you say it? He no. does documentaries. No. About <laughs> no. Okay, he does documentaries about tarantulas. I'm making up words here. Uh, Anyways, I just got, I did the Kickstarter, uh, so, you know, I paid for this or whatever, but uh, how, how do you say the king baboon? It's Pelanobius. Uh-huh. Okay, so Pelanobius, the king baboon, and the man-eating lion, lion, man lions of uh, Savo 
uh, is his latest documentary, uh, lovetarantulas.com is his website. Andrew Smith is the man. Uh, I just got the new DVD. I haven't watched it yet, but it's going to be super cool. Uh, I chipped in on the, on the Kickstarter, so those are just going out now, and they're available and probably available on YouTube. So check that out. Um, I would also like to thank everybody who has uh, listened to us, downloaded us, or whatever. There's a lot of us in the United States. Uh, we've got about 100 people in the United States listening to us. Uh, you know, we're just getting started or whatever, but I just want to do shout outs to the 13 people in Canada. I know Rocky Mountain Spider Freaks is uh, promoting us out there and telling people and listening to us. Um, thank you. So we, thank you. We appreciate them. So check them out on YouTube, Rocky Mountain Spider Freaks. And uh, United Kingdom, uh, we got nine people uh, listening to us in the United Kingdom. I'm hoping that one of them is Danny Damon, the uh, creator of Keeper Cards. If you don't know about Keeper Cards, check out KeeperCards.info. And they are tarantula trading cards. It's something people could really get into, and I'd like everybody to check those out. But we'll get into that in another day, another day, another time. Sorry. Is he also a documentarian? No, he is a I believe bass guitarist for a uh, progressive metal band called Prognosis. They are really rocking. And uh, six people in Germany. Thank you, Germany. Always want to say that. Gratuitous Rockstar. Thank you to you guys. Two people in Denmark and one listener in Australia who I don't think like us because he doesn't seem to be telling anybody about us. But please... Thank you for listening and tell your friends in Australia. We'd love for people to listen to us in Australia, Denmark, and one person in Thailand has recently listened to us. So I just want to shout out those countries and say thanks. And thank you. Thank you. Us, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to try to make this better and uh, more, uh, you know, uh, how do I uh, say better? Uh, <laughs> more better consistent every week i trying to make one every week uh but things come up in your life and it kind of sucks and podcasts are harder than you think let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> so uh on that note uh thanks for joining us and uh i guess we're probably going a little long so uh i'm brian take it easy this is john and please people feed the algorithms feed water the algorithms like share subscribe review we appreciate please. it you five stars reviews like us please please tell your friends feed the algorithm feed it it's hungry <laughs>